0: In the name of Jesus, amen. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you this day shall be upon your heart. Deuteronomy chapter six. Let me talk in this sermon about the curriculum. (laughs) How boring (laughs) is that? Well, it is boring, and the curriculum is a drudge if you only think about it in the narrow terms of getting syllabi, assignments, tests, and papers but the faculty does not understand curriculum in that narrow way. Your faculty understands curriculum in the widest possible way. The curriculum we tie. The curriculum, the course of your life. People have said that you and I are living in the dash. The dash is that little line that you find on a tombstone in between the date of your birth and the date of your death. You know when you were born, but now you are living in the dash. And how you understand the dash will be of eternal importance when the day of your entrance to eternity comes, that day when they inscribe the second date on your stone. You shall love the Lord your God. The curriculum of life is about God. Genesis chapter 1, In the beginning, God. Not you. Not me. And then God does an amazing thing that none of us could comprehend. God, who is perfect in himself, who has no need for anything outside of himself, God creates something other than himself. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the first part of the curriculum of life under God is to stand in awe at His creation. Last year we had a student, fourth year student, worked in advancement and he was into photography. And so one spring evening, he and his fiance drove about an hour or so into southern Illinois to get away from the city lights. The city lights pollute our appreciation and wonder of the heavens. And they got out there an hour or so, and he took pictures, which we use to this day, of all the stars. Four out of five Americans don't have that experience because of light pollution. Isaiah chapter 40 says, lift up your eyes and look who created these. I mentioned in orientation the other day that I certainly hope, I encourage you, I beg you to get out of the cocoon of this campus and one of the things that you ought to do is go over to Washington University, just a couple blocks to our north. And if you go toward the Planetary Science Building, which I did this morning, there is a sidewalk, maybe 50 feet long. And first, on that sidewalk, you will see a bronze inlay that says Pluto. And a little farther up to scale, Is Neptune and on and on it goes and eventually you get to earth and Mars and Mercury and the Sun and I stand there and think wow this is just a sidewalk lift up your eyes and see well I go into planetary science and in the lobby is an exact replica of the Mars rover. Washington University is involved in Martian exploration, and around that rover are pictures of the Martian landscape, and it's like, shut up, Dale. (laughs) Speaking of the planets, do you know that right now the United States has a satellite circling circuling circling jupiter in a polar orbit it's called juno jupiter is massive the numbers on jupiter are that it is 11.2 times the diameter of earth And if you want to talk about volume, massive Jupiter could contain 1,321.3 Earths in its massive volume. Now, so what? Big planet, right? The universe is filled with hurtling objects that every once in a while cause the people of this world consternation. What if it would come and eliminate not only the dinosaurs, but us? Jupiter is so big that Jupiter takes those hits so that Earth is preserved. And if a hurtling object does not actually go into Jupiter, Jupiter's gravity gets a hold of that thing like a slingshot and sends it away from the solar system and away from the little place where you and I live. I have a friend, many of you will meet him, who says, "Hmm." and God said to Job, where were you? You squirt president. You squirt seminarian. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? And even here on campus, look at the trees. The trees are like the pillars of God's cathedral of creation. Look at the herbs. Look at the vegetables. Look at the flowers that are planted all over. The first assignment for you and for me is to stand in awe In this cathedral of creation, which was made for the Creator's praise, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is the second lesson, and this hmm well it's impossible I mean anybody can stand out and gawk at the cosmos but this second assignment is why we are in trouble and why we are in this cathedral God God created us to be not only creatures, but creatures who are dependent upon Him. And in a perfect world, in a perfect paradise, dependent creatures, knowing their dependence, would love the Creator, because it's in this Creator that a dependent creature realizes we live and move and have our being. That would be in a perfect world. But there is a catch. Mankind was given the ability to make the terrible decision to leave dependence upon the Creator aside and to opt for independence. Mankind was given the terrible ability not to love the Creator upon whom we are totally dependent, but to love someone, something else. And the result of those facts that mankind for eons has search for independence rather than finding its dependence in the Creator, the fact that mankind has not freely and spontaneously loved the Lord, its God, with all our heart, soul, and might, that has resulted in the captivity of our will. Your will is bound in sin. Original sin has so corrupted you that the original gift of freedom of the will only opts for independence and love away from God. Even you who are sanctified, even you who are here to give your life into the service of the church in ministry, even you, even I, struggle to get independence, and deep in our hearts, not to love God spontaneously with the freedom that He intended His creatures to show. When we processed in, We sang that great hymn by Robert Robinson, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And he captures this tendency that you and I have to strive for independence and not to love God spontaneously because we are in captivity to sin. Robinson says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Our free wills are bound. You and I are in captivity to sin and as a consequence we of ourselves cannot be captivated by the love of God. That's the second part of the assignment, at least the first part of the second part of the assignment. And brothers, (laughs) the Dean has called you in. You are flunking out. I am flunking out. Shut up, Dale. There's a a sermon illustration that went around some years ago, and probably every preacher on the faculty has used this. A middle-aged couple is driving in the car. Husband is behind the wheel. And the wife decides it is time to complain about the lack of romance in the marriage. You know, dear, when we were dating and when we were first married, we sat very, very, very close in the front seat. And he looked at her and said, I haven't moved away. God hasn't moved away. And this is the best part of the second assignment. The creator is your recreator. According to his great mercies, he has given you a new birth. Psalm eight puts it this way. O oh Lord, Our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Wow. If it was incomprehensible that God, you remember in the beginning God, that he would go outside of himself to make something outside of himself, which he didn't have to do. If that is incomprehensible, that he made this cosmos in which you and I live in our little corner, it is even more mind-boggling that that creator sends his son to recreate you by name. Your Creator is your loving, passionate recreator. He recreates you. Now, notice that I said that in the present tense, He recreates you. This is in the dash. You have the date of your baptism. The date of entering glory is known only to God. He recreates you now in the dash, daily. You have not come to Concordia Seminary. Well, maybe you have but the faculty won't let you get away with this in God's curriculum of life. You are not here to simply learn some things about 20 centuries ago. When Jesus lived, died, and rose again, that is critically important, but you are not in this curriculum to become the curators of a museum, congregational museums. It's in the dash. That the recreator works on hearts through the word of his son that he sent here. The word that he sends. The word of Christ spoken, read, sacramental. That's in the dash. And that's how he recreates. Remember the text Deuteronomy 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart and in your soul and 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 with you shall you shall keep them with you shall keep them all the words that I command you with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That happens when the Word, spoken, sacramental, read, comes at you. Or in Christ, you and I are new creatures. Those are two parts of the curriculum. And we might say that the whole curriculum can be titled, By Grace Alone, Grace in his Son. Grace means that we have nothing to bring to this great Creator. As one of our favorite hymns says, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Being Totally dependent upon grace alone means that you and I are obedient to the words he commands us. That is countercultural in today's America, but it is what he has told us to do. Psalm 139 says Search me, O Lord, and try my heart examine me and know my ways and see if there is any way evil in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Being totally in grace alone means that you and I freely admit and even rejoice in our dependence upon God When you and I do a good work, and we are to do good works, we are justified by grace alone, but the life of sanctification is God working in us to do good works, which, as Paul says, he has before ordained that we should walk in them God enables us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. When we know that we are in grace, even the good works that we zealously do in cooperation with God, we are co-workers with him. We know that that is not about ourselves, not unto us, but the glory is his. And being in grace, being totally in grace alone, means that the capstone of this curriculum of your life is gratitude. We have nothing, nothing, that we can ultimately present to Him and say, hey, look at me. Before God it is, shut up, Dale, shut up, put in your name. The capstone is gratitude, gratitude now gratitude throughout your whole life and gratitude that goes into eternity Psalm 116 says what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me I will offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving and I will call on the name the revelation of the Lord that's the curriculum and it follows the three articles of the creed the first the creation the second our sin and savior and the third article the holy spirit who comes through the word to recreate you and recreate me you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, and these words which I command you this day shall be on your heart. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen.